God's doing some great things at the cathedral, and we are honored to be a part of it. I want to say good morning, family. I feel like you're becoming family to me, and even though we've always been kind of family, I'm enjoying being a part of the services now and then, and I appreciate the opportunity to come and share the word a little bit every once in a while when you give me that opportunity. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why you came to church this morning. I, I've been pastoring for almost 40 years now. It'll be 40 years this summer. And, you know, people come to church for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, and I, I just hope that wherever you are at in your journey, you know, with God, you know, that you'll just open up your heart today and receive maybe something the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. I, I, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff this morning. But, you know, what's important is what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you out of that. And I pray that your heart will just be open to listen to it. Not just go through the motions of being in a church service and, you know, checking the box and going out and have some lunch somewhere and waiting until next week. But maybe, maybe God wants to say something to you today. Maybe God wants to do something in your heart and life. Encourage you, heal you, set you on a path, on a journey. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, where you're at, and what's going on in your life, but... I just really want to encourage you to open up your heart and, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me today? Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? I'm going to share a message with you uh, entitled, Many Members, One Body. It's part of the series, Your Ministry, that our pastor has been um, taking us through. So if you have a smart device or a Bible, you can open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I got quite a bit of scripture that I'm going to read to you out of that chapter, so I'm going to ask you to get there. You know, just recently... Um, I lost my mom. Uh, she died December 20th. Pastor Kenny lost his mom not too long ago. And, and you know, we've kind of been uh, walking through that together. But, you know, she was, I, I, I'm going to describe her as a beautiful person. But I'm, I'm going to tell you what, my mom was human. You know, she was a, a little Italian lady that was feisty, that would speak her mind, had no filter, from the time that I was growing up till the time that she died. And some people loved that about her. It scared some people. <laughs> some people stayed away from her. But uh, some people really loved that about her. And I, and I have so many fond memories of her. You know, she loved my dad. That was, uh, they were married 49 years when he died 18 years ago. And she never remarried, never even dated, never even thought about getting married again. But she raised four of us kids. I'm the oldest of four kids. I have three younger sisters. And she loved to help and love on anyone who needed it. That was the kind of person she was. If you had a need and you were open to her helping her, she was going to be your best friend. That's just the kind of person uh, that she was. But growing up with her, when we were small and in the home, my memories of her are a little bit different than that. Um, you know, when it came to us kids, my mom was the disciplinarian. She was the one who kind of ruled the roost, if you will. She was the one who looked after the details of the home. And as soon as we were old enough, she started including us in the responsibilities of the home. I remember when we had to, you know, start making our beds and taking out the garbage and washing the dishes. And every Saturday, we would have to clean the house and dust the end tables with pledge. You remember pledge? You spray it all over and wipe it off, you know, and uh, do all those things that I just hated. But she just started doling out those responsibilities. It started small, um, but there wasn't any of them 
that I liked. There wasn't any of them that I, you know, couldn't wait to get up on a Saturday morning to run the vacuum cleaner. I despised them, and I didn't want to do any of the chores that she assigned to us. And I remember when we were young, you know, uh, we had to ride the bus. We had to be on the bus at 7 o'clock, so we had to get up at 6 and start getting ready for school to catch the bus at 7. We lived out in the country, and, you know, back then we always wanted to eat breakfast, and we begged Mom to let, teach us how to make breakfast. Now, when we made breakfast, we made eggs and bacon and toast, and that was the breakfast that we had almost every morning before we went to school. And so she taught us, finally, she taught us how to use a skillet and how to make our own breakfast, and after that, she never made breakfast again for us. If you want breakfast make your breakfast, you know. I, I just remember that part of it. And then, you know, we had to weed the garden, take out the trash, make our beds, do the dishes, vacuum the living room, all chores affording us an opportunity to grow and cr contribute to the overall health of the family. I mean, we were, we were doing chores, but it, it was making our lives better. It was keeping our house clean and safe and you know, uh, doing the things, by doing the things that we need to do, by doing the things that we needed to do in the home, it just made things better. And as much as my sisters and I complained about it and hated to do it, it was taking on those small responsibilities that helped us become who we are today. You know, it, it, it molded me and shaped me as a little boy into the man that I hope and I believe that I am today. It helped develop fond memories. You know, as I look back on some of those things now, I laugh about them. I like to, I like to talk about them. You know, it just, you know, I, I, I hold some of those things dear that my mom made us do some of those things that she did. It cemented our place in the family. You know, when you help out and you do chores, it, 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 it makes you a part of something bigger than yourself. It just wasn't about Danny, as they called me back then. You know, it was about the family. And when I did my chores and did my part, it helped me really feel like I was a part of that family. And now as I look back on it, I, I, I have so much honor and respect um, for my family. And, you know, so many, so many times in Scripture, the Apostle Paul drew comparisons between the human family and the family of God. You know, when we learn how to function and operate in a family, and I realize that not everybody has that opportunity, then we can learn how to operate and function in a church family, in a spiritual family. And if we don't have that when we're growing up as a child, then it makes it harder for us to become part of a church family, but that's what God wants. You know, he gave us this natural example to help us understand the spiritual principle. He gave us the family, our natural families, to help us understand how the family of God operates. He gave us the human body to help us understand, by a natural example, how the spiritual body is to operate. I want you to think about that. You know, we're not left out here on our own trying to figure this out. We have these incredible examples on how to learn how to function within the body of Christ. Again, we have a human body to observe and to better help us understand the spiritual body. You know, as we all come to church today, I, I know probably at some time in your journey, you have probably all heard that you have come into this life with a purpose. You know, my mom was a life giver. 
She gave life to four of us kids that produced 69 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Not just 69, 11 grandchildren and 69 great-grandchildren. She was a life giver. She came into this life to give life. That was a purpose. That's the purpose of you life givers in this sanctuary this morning. And we've all learned in the course of our journey that we're not just here by accident. We're not just here by happenstance. God gave us a life with purpose. There's a reason for our existence. God had something in mind when he created you. Before the foundations of the world, he called out your name realizing that you were going to come into this life with a purpose. And whatever that purpose is, because you have that, it makes you important. There's, a, there, there's words that could be used to describe your life, words like significance, importance, critical, essential. Th th those are the kinds of words, words that describe your life. You may not feel like that every day, but you're needed. You're valued. There's a reason that you have been made a part of the family that you were born into and a part of the spiritual family that you have come to embrace. You know, simply put, God has a plan for you. He has a place for you. He has a job for you. And over the last few weeks, Pastor Kenny and Nija have been taking us through this journey and trying to help us understand that. He created you, gifted you, called you according to his purpose. And like I said, over the past few weeks, Pastor Kenny has been talking about how this works, how teaching us how uh, ministry functions, how each of us has a, a ministry that needs to be embraced. I want you to think about that. Have you, have you thought about maybe the, the purpose of your life, the calling on your life as it relates to the plans and purposes of God. I know you have dreams. I know you're out there trying to make a living, raise your family, do your thing. But have you ever thought about how that connects to God's purpose for your life and God's plan that he has for your life and how he gifted you with those gifts that you're using to make your own way? But have you ever thought about how it relates to maybe how God wants to use you here at the cathedral? How God wants to use you inside of the body of Christ? How if you don't choose to embrace that calling, how if you don't choose to embrace that gift or your ministry, as we saw on the video, the body's going to suffer. If I don't do my part, if I don't take my place in the family of God and do what he's asked me to do, then, you know, I'm not going to hell. I, you know, I'm not going to be cast aside and thrown away as something useless. But I'm sure not going to be able to help. I'm sure not going to be able to add or contribute to the overall well-being of the family. I could have been a rebellious child and said I'm not going to learn how to make my bed. I'm not going to learn how to take out the garbage. I'm not going to learn how to do the dishes. I wouldn't have got kicked out of the Barry family, but I would have not been doing anything that would have contributed to the overall well-being of the family. So we have got to find our place. We've got to, you know, expend the energy, open up our hearts. We've got to be willing to do the hard things in order to take our place and do what God's called us to do. So I want to I read our text real quick here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And like I said, it's a, it's a little bit of scripture here, but it's important. And I just want you to listen. You can follow along if you'd like. But I, I just really want you to absorb this. Here's what Paul said in verse 12. 
The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not the hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? I like to say it this way. If the whole body were pastors, minus you, there would be so much missing. It's not just about the pastors. It's not just about the leaders. It's important that they take their place and do their part. We're grateful for that, aren't we? Well, it's the same with you. The whole body's not pastors. You can't just say, because I'm not the pastor, or I'm not a leader in the ministry, I'm not important, or I'm not needed. That's not the truth according to the scripture. Every part of the body is important to the whole makeup of the whole body. So we've got to, at some point in our lives, whether we want to or not, learn how to be a part of the spiritual family. Just like I had to learn how to be a part of the Barry family and take on my responsibility and do my part in that family, we have to do the same thing in the body of Christ. We can't sit back and let the pastors do everything. We can't sit back and let some leader do everything because the whole body is not an ear. It's not just the eyes. It's all of the parts working together, making up the whole. So this is the analogy that Paul uses between the human body and the body of Christ. And, and I know it's a lot of scripture, but I want to read the same verse, these same verses out of the Message Bible. Listen to this. And again, in verse 12, he starts off. He says, you can easily see, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, and cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. I want you to hear that. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain by his spirit, where all come to drink. Listen to this. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would it make it so? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all an eye, how could it hear? If an all an ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God, listen to this, 
has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wants it. I want you to think about that. If I've come into this thing called faith, if I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, then there is a part in a place that he wants me to fulfill. When, you know, when we first get saved, you know, it's, oh, we're so excited. We're so in love with Jesus. It's all about worship, you know, and just coming to church and be excited about it. But then all of a sudden, at some point in your journey, God is going to begin to teach you responsibility. He's going to begin to give you assignments that are going to allow you to begin to contribute. As a baby in Christ, they might be small. They, you know, they might be doing something in the church. You know, I, I'm not even going to describe what it might be, but it might not have a tremendous amount of responsibility. But as you continue to grow, God's going to keep adding on that responsibility. I know the first thing that I had to learn how to do was bathe myself. I remember my mama saying, if you don't wash those private parts, I'm coming in there to wash them for you. I had to learn how to take a bath. I had to learn how to dress myself. I had to learn how to make my bed. Then I learned how to take out the garbage. Then I learned how to wash my mama's dishes without breaking them. And as I continued to grow and take on more responsibility, I became more of a functioning part of the Barry family. And then ultimately at one time, I was ready to go out on my own. But I want you to know, as I was learning responsibility, as my mama and my father were giving me responsibilities, I didn't want to do them. I didn't want to weed the garden. I didn't want to mow the yard. I didn't want to take out the garbage. But they kept after me. And as they kept after me, it showed me the value that I had in that family. And I began to appreciate, as I grew older, the things that my parents taught me so that I could go out there and live on my own. It's the same way in the body of Christ. God is going to bring you in, help you experience him. Once you do, then he's been waiting since before the foundations of the world to teach you about your purpose so that you could understand the reason that you're here. Take your place, do your part so the whole body can be edified. I, I, I love that. Verse 18 says, as it is, we see that God has placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. You know, it can't always be about you. It can't always be about what you want. You know, at some point in time, we have to say, okay, Lord, how can I help? We have to say, okay, Jesus, what can I do? You know, and I have to say, there were many times that the Holy Spirit was leading me to do something that I didn't want to do. I remember when I first got saved, he wanted me to take over the bus ministry in our church. I didn't want to do that. Saturday was my only day off. I didn't want to give up my Saturday and walk around the neighborhood and knock on people's doors and see if I could bring their kids to church on the bus. But that's what the Lord led me to do. There was a lot of times, you know, when I even went into ministry and God wanted me to take the church somewhere where I didn't want to take it. There's been a lot of times that I argued with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever done that? How many times have you said no to God when he wanted you to do something? I probably have a boatload of times that I said no to God when he wanted me to do something. Just like I said no to my mama every once in a while, I've said no to God once in a while. But you know what? We can't get away with that. We've got to submit our hearts to God, and we've got to say yes to whatever he asks us to do. But it doesn't mean you're always going to want to do it. 
somewhere along the line, you're going to need a little encouragement, maybe from your pastor, maybe from a leader in the ministry that you're involved in. Why? Because you're going to want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. What does that have to do with anything? I couldn't tell my mama, I don't want to brush my teeth. It doesn't feel good. I don't want to take out the garbage. I don't have time to do that. You can't get away with that. And when it comes to God and the ministry that he's called you to and the place that he wants you to be in the body, you have to be able to fulfill that responsibility. I, I would come up with excuses all the time, like, I can't do that. I, how many times have I told the Lord that? He said, I want you to do that. I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. That's a, that's, a, that's a big one people use. How do you know you're not ready? He wouldn't be asking you to do it if you, were, if you weren't ready. You may not think you're ready, but you are. I don't have time to do that. All the things that I used to say to my mom. But what we need to understand is that God created us and do, will do what he must do to develop us so that we can take our place and carry out our role. I understand that we can always say no. Anybody can say, no, God's not going to force us. If he asks us to do something and we don't do it, we, we can say no. But there's something about saying yes. Listen to me. There's something about finding your place, taking your place, and doing what God has called you to do that brings peace, joy, fulfillment, a sense of satisfaction, provision, fruit, you know, when you're doing the will of God, when you're doing what he wants you to do, then the blessings of God are going to follow your life. I, I've met a lot of people over the years, and I, as I've shared, I've been one of these people. But I've met a, I have met a lot of people who want to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, and how they want to do it. Regardless of maybe what God wants them to do. You know, isn't that the way that we lived our lives before we got saved? We did what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it, and how we wanted to do it. Some of us didn't have time for God. Some of us thought we had too much to do, too much sinning to do before we made Jesus the Lord of our life and changed our lives, you know. We were rebellious. We were argumentative. We hesitated. We doubted. We wouldn't take the steps that we need to take. Well, that's one thing before you're saved. That's one thing before you make Jesus the Lord of your life. But once you make Jesus the Lord of your life, don't fall into that same trap. Don't fall into that same vein of thinking where you're only going to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. Every once in a while, you're going to have to take a step of faith, and you're going to have to take out the garbage. Every once in a while, you're going to have to make your own bed. Every once in a while, you're going to have to go out and weed in the garden. It's not going to be pleasant, but you're going to ultimately grow and become that person that God created you to, pay, to, to be. Scripture says we used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Sometimes we've got to say, yes, Lord, even though we don't want to do it. Yes, Lord, even though we don't want to do that. Yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. I'm learning to say yes to God. Learning to do the stuff that may not seem all that necessary, but it still needs to be done. I got a little example for you here this morning. My, during COVID, you know, these things used to cost about 8 or $9. These are Charles Wysocki puzzles. During COVID, they doubled and tripled in price because people were 
I, my, my wife loves to put puzzles together. You come to my house and there's going to always be a puzzle out on the kitchen counter. And she will sit there for hours and put the, these puzzles together. And every once in a while she'll get stuck and she'll ask me to come over and help. But, you know, this is a thousand-piece puzzle. There, there's a thousand pieces that have to be arranged and put together. A thousand pieces that are uniquely designed to fit in a particular place. And I also want to say in a particular puzzle. You know, if God's called you to be a part of this puzzle, then you're not going to find your place in another box. Are you? And it's like the church. The church is the box. If God's called you to be a part of the cathedral, then you need to stay. And you need to find your place. You can't get mad at something Pastor Kenny says. I know you would never get mad at Pastor Nija and something she said. But if he says something that sounds like he's mouthing off to you and you get mad and say, well, I'm going to go to another church, you know, and you go over to some other box, you're never going to find your place. You're never going to find the fulfillment of taking your place. Why? Because you're in the wrong box. As much as God has called these two to be the pastors of this church, God calls you to a church to take your place and to help and do whatever you can to further the vision until God calls you somewhere else. we got to learn that. We can't just get mad every time something doesn't go our way. I got mad at my mom plenty of times. But there, were, there weren't any other families that wanted me. You know, sometimes kids run away. Well, I'm running away, and they run away to somebody else. They might feed you for a day or two, but you're not part of their family. And after a couple days, they're going to send your butt back home. They're not going to keep you and feed you and clothe you. Why? Because you don't belong to them. You belong to a family, and you have to learn how to make it work. The church is like a puzzle where every piece in that puzzle is uniquely designed. Each piece carries an individual purpose that is linked to the whole. You start putting those pieces in that puzzle together, and all of a sudden, this beautiful picture begins to manifest. Each piece is designed uniquely to fit affording completion of the whole. Connecting the right piece and the right place at the right time is what God is after. And I have to say, guys, it's what we should be after too. I don't want to live my life doing what I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it all the time. I want to submit to Jesus. And God, if you've got something for me to do, I don't care how hard it is. I want to get to a place in my life where I can say yes. You know, when my children were young, we had eight of them, and, you know, we'd buy them these little puzzles. You know, that's a thousand-piece puzzle that would drive most of us crazy. But, you know, we, we buy these little puzzles that have four pieces and six pieces, and some of them even have a little knob on them, you know, where you can, you know, put this piece here and that piece there. And my kids would put those piece, puzzles together, and the little boys, and they, the three little boys, I remember, they'd get frustrated and, discouraged because they, they had the right piece in the right place, but, but they just wouldn't go in, you know, and then they'd get frustrated and cry and throw the piece, and so every once in a while, I'd just come along behind them while they're trying to get the piece in, and I, I'd just tweak it a little bit, you know, I'd twist it a little bit, and it'd pop down in there in place, and you know what they would do every single time? They would look back at me and smile, 
because of the fulfillment that they received because that piece went in that puzzle where it was supposed to go. And that's like pastors Katie and Nija. As you're learning to take your place and find your place, every once in a while as pastors, they're going to come along and they're going to tweak you. And they're going to say, well, why don't, why, don't you, why don't you think about this? Or why don't you do that? And what's going to happen is you're going to learn your place. And as you take that place, that piece of the puzzle is going to slap down into place. And hopefully you're going to turn around and smile at them and be appreciative because they helped you find your role. Listen to this. Verse 27 says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Pastor Kenny taught us that the ministry gifts are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Most of which are very familiar to all of us. But then he showed us that there is also a gift to the body called helps. Whoever you are, I don't care if you got an apostle in your blood I don't care if you're going to be an apostle in the future or a prophet or an evangelist or whatever. You always start in the ministry of helps. No one in ministry starts anywhere other than the ministry of helps. And here's the thing. Most people in the body of Christ will never leave the ministry of helps. Not everybody's called to be an apostle a prophet, evangelist, or a pastor, teacher. Not everybody's called to that. Most people in the body of Christ are called to the ministry of helps. Not every part in the body is a heart. Not every part is the lungs. Not every part are your eyes. But there are significant parts in that body that need to function. We need hands, we need feet, we need intestines, we need a stomach, we need a mouth. You can go on and on and on. The reality is, is even though most people will never leave the ministry of helps and become an apostle and prophet, the ministry of helps is so critical to the life and health and well-being of any church. Again, most people will never leave that gift. As some transition to the other gifts, Helps should always be at the core of what they do. Let me explain. I don't care if you are an apostle. Helps should always be at the core of what you do. If you're a prophet, helps should always be at the core of what you do. You know, you'll see your pastors around here sweeping the floor, emptying the garbage, plowing the driveway, the sidewalk. That's okay. They're not so special that they can't do all that stuff. They need help in doing it. It shouldn't be their sole responsibility. But whoever you are in ministry, help should always be a part. It should be at the core of who you are. You should be willing to do your part when it comes to helps. Let me share this with you. David was born a king, but started out as the youngest son, an unknown shepherd boy. Elisha had a double portion, but started out by serving the man of God. Joshua served in the shadow of Moses most of his life. Paul spent 12 years making tents. Philip waited on tables before he won thousands. What's my point? Everybody starts out and helps. Everybody in the ministry starts out and helps. And I know in the video, Pastor Kenny defined the word, but I want to give you the definition of helps again. The simple definition is a source of aid. 
It means to give assistance or support, to be of use, to be of a benefit, to assist advancements uh, towards an objective. One who is in the service of who or who assists another. Working in this calling of helps will help you. It'll make you a better son. It'll make you a better daughter of God. Working in this calling of helps will help you grow. Whenever you exercise a muscle, it grows. We need to grow. You know, everything you know is not all there is to learn. And can I say everything you've done up to this point is not all there is to do. We've got to continue to grow. I'm 67 years old. I just retired from 40 years of pastoring. But that doesn't mean I can sit on my laurels and not do what God wants me to do. Even though my role has changed, my ministry is still there. God has a part in a place. As long as I'm taking up space on this green earth and breathing God's air, then I have a job to do. i got to help. I need to be involved in helping wherever I can the body of Christ. It'll help you learn patience. Being involved in helps will teach you patience. It'll help you learn excellence. It'll show faithfulness. As you take out the garbage when you don't want to take it out. You make your bed when you don't want to make it. You weed the garden when it needs to be weeded even though you don't want to do it. It builds faithfulness. It'll help you serve, be a blessing, learn how to resolve conflict, gain appreciation for those who serve, gain discipline, fine-tune your gift. Okay, so I've got to close. So what do we do with all this information? You know, well, I, I could say it's just, why, why, why did we share this? Why did, we, why did we bring this up this morning? Well, my thing is, is I hope you'll take it to heart. You know, if you've kind of gotten a little discouraged, frustrated, you know, maybe you haven't found your place yet, you know, maybe you're not doing anything in the church yet, you know, then I hope that you'll, you'll, you'll take this to heart. I, I hope that you'll open up your heart to this message and find the place that God has called you to connect. There's some place here, guys. The only wrong decision is to do nothing. If you choose nothing, go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. That's the only wrong thing here. How about if you start here? How, how about, how can I help? Maybe it's the pastors. Maybe it's a leader in the, how can I help? If you don't know what God's called you to do, if you don't know what your specific place in the body of Christ is, then find somebody who does know. Find somebody in the church. Hey, I, I'm, I'm called to the parking lot ministry. I'm called to, you know, the janitorial ministry. I'm called to children. I'm called to you. Find somebody that does know what they've called, they are called to and offer to help them. And as you serve and you open your heart, your heart, God will show you exactly where he wants you to be. Ask your pastors. It's okay to go to them and say, you know what? How can I help? What do you need done? Now be ready because it may not be exactly what you want to do or think you want to do. But as you show yourself faithful and you serve, God's going to put his hand on your life. Bless you begin to grow this church beyond your wildest imaginations. Let's just take our parts. Amen. Father, we open our hearts to you today. We're grateful that you have raised the cathedral up. God, right here in the heart of this city, this building would be useless without the people that are here in it.
It would be rotting and going back to the dust that it came from if it wasn't for this body. Pastors Kenny and Nija and the families that have come in and out of here over the years. It wouldn't even be here, but it's here. We're worshiping you from this house. We're learning to serve you from this house. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that, God, you would just open up our hearts, enlighten us about the place that you want us to take, the role you want us to play, the work that you want us to do to help build your kingdom in this house. And may it truly be the light that it was created to be. May it truly be a house of worship like it was created to be. In Jesus' name, amen.